Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show, Heat Check on the Ringer Podcast Network, is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Like, for example, if you were David Fisdale and one day you were the head coach of the New York Knicks and then the next day you were not, you probably have some things that you need to iron out. Get you a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected just like that. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Heat Check is also brought to you by Brilliant Earth. Create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring with Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Brilliant Earth's exclusive, unique designs are brought to life by master jewelers, and they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. Right now, Brilliant Earth is having a special promotion. Receive a complimentary diamond jewelry gift with any purchase over $1,000. Order today for delivery by Christmas to take advantage of this first-time offer and see terms. Go to brilliantearth.com slash ringerNBA. And now, heat check. Uh, he's got smoke coming off his fingertips. He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by our producer, Steve Allman. Hello, hello. Uh, unlike David Fisdale, you're still gainfully employed. Uh, yes, and still happy about it, I'd say. Many weeks on Heat Check, neither of us have been fired. Uh, that might change moving forward. Poor David Fisdale, though, on the unemployment line. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, want to thank all of you for listening. A reminder to please rate and review us. Don't forget about all the great NBA content on TheRigger.com. We did a group post ranking all 30 teams by tiers. That was fun. Zach Cram broke down the NBA schedule using math and facts and and magic and, you know, all the other methods that Zach Cram uses to tell us who's real and who's not real in the NBA. One Paolo Ugetti wrote about the Kevin Love trade rumors and the other biggest questions of the week in his Monday morning column. And I wrote about the disastrous New York Knicks firing one David Fisdale. And those two things, those last two things are going to come together. We're going to have Paolo on. He hasn't been on in a, in a little bit. Steve, you've never even met Paolo, right? Oh, we've met Paolo. Oh, you met Paolo. Oh, yes. All right. So fantastic. But he hasn't been on the program in a while. So we're quite excited about his triumphant return. And we're going to get into the New York Knicks, and where they go after Fisdale uh, and the front office mess and all the rumors that are popping up about who might want to coach this team or who might not want to coach this team. But first, let's review the latest news from around the league and bring in our regular contributors, Dan and Haley. Boom, shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! All right, normally one of them is in studio with me. Instead, they are both way across the country in our NYCHQ. It's Heat Check Coast to Coast with Haley and Dan, who are sitting right next to each other in New York. And correct me if I'm wrong, Prior to this, the two of you had never met in person, IRL. No, never. That's yep. what the kids said. Never, never just it's, through Skype. It's 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 even uh, more warm and, and and lovely here in person than it is over Skype. It's great. I'm gonna do this whole it show in a New heart. Yorker accent. I, I love that, uh, but I'm glad that you guys uh, finally got to meet because I'm a big fan of both of you, and, and now everybody knows everybody. We got we have so many things to do. Paolo's going to join us in a second, I'm, and I'm excited about that because he hasn't been on the show in a while. Uh, but we have many headlines to review, so let's do that with NBA Instant Replay. All right, uh, so we're going to get to the Knicks in a second, but there's some other news that we got to run through. We're going to start with the Cavs, who are not that good. 
Uh, not very good at all, in fact. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is uh, reporting something that we all kind of expected, that they are already listening to offers for Kevin Love. He's 31 years old. He's got three years and $90 million left on his contract. We haven't really seen Minnesota Kevin Love in a while. He was, he's was he been good uh, and then alternately injured and then alternately maybe like not as good. But he still has, I would imagine, some things left. Dan, uh, what would you expect that, say, Kevin Love might fetch on the market? I think the interesting thing for him is that, like that price tag is big, three years, ninety million, but it also represents some cost certainty for any team that's that's going to be going for him. Like if you're a team that's not going to get prime free agents, you know, big summer twenty twelve or twenty twenty one with that, that kind of stuff, you know, you're going to get like a near all star caliber guy for three years, and so like if you're not a destination, there's something to be said for that. I, I don't think you're going to get like premium unprotected picks for him or like future all-star caliber young pieces. I don't think he's shown that he's that kind of offensive weapon anymore, but he's still a really good player that can help a, a, you know, a pretty good team to get better. And I think that kind of guy on sub max money for a few years is valuable. I think also he's 31. So that's kind of a, you know, if he has three more years, that kind of hurts a little right, bit, yeah. but that just speaks to the teams that should want him right now. They should want him if they have some immediacy to win. This is really the perfect timing for him or for someone who's injury prone and who we're not sure if he'll be Minnesota Kevin Love again, because he could be the difference maker for a couple of teams. There's so much more parity in the league this year that it's more believable that he will be traded, that somebody will take on his contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, uh, I like Kevin Love, and I think he could help a lot of a lot of different teams. And there's one team in particular that suffered quite a few injuries uh, on the West Coast, the Portland Trailblazers, Dan, that we talked about, uh, could certainly use some help. Kevin Love would be an interesting addition there, no? Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I keep looking at them because they're just so pot committed, like Haley was talking about. You know, they give Dame the Supermax. They max out C.J. McCollum. Like, this is their window the next two, three years. So, yes, it's it makes you exorbitantly expensive for the next few years, adding Kevin Love contract in there, but you also have big expiring deals you could put together in a trade. Hassan Whiteside's 27 million, uh, Kent Bazemore about 19.3 that you can use as sort of like the meat of a deal. The question then is what else would go around it? What would Cleveland want? And you know that that's where sort of the rubber would meet the road on the deal. But I think they make sense in that way. You've been paying so much for so long. I don't think that taking on his contract, I mean, what what is it worth, but, you know, going over for this long if you're not going to win, especially the last couple of postseasons, you know, they haven't pushed, especially. I mean, they could just go so much further they always finish the regular season really strong. Now, my one concern is, will this cut into Mello's minutes? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, well, they guaranteed his contract through the rest of the year. So uh, that, that's, maybe they, they even have to like clear trades with Mello now. Who knows how it works? Uh, in Cleveland, no, Haley. Other expiring vet contracts that they'll probably look to get off of, Tristan Thompson, Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Knight, Matthew Della Vadova. They have John Henson there. Uh, how difficult a rebuild are we looking at for the Cleveland Cavaliers? We had them in, in our uh, recent group post that, that where we put all 30 teams into tiers. We had them in our bad but not hopeless tier, which I wasn't quite sold on. Uh, I think that they are both bad and potentially hopeless, but I'm maybe more down on them than it's most. It's interesting because you just named all those expiring contracts. So who does that leave? Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Jetty, Larry Nance, Kevin Porter. That's really not the most solid foundation. You look at a rebuild like Atlanta's, which is super ideal. Uh, they really have a superior starter kit. Also, I mean, you know, the I, I don't think the Bulls did that poorly in theirs. I mean, there's a couple, you look back at the Jimmy Butler trade and now you're like, God, that was like bad at the time. Now I really don't think that's aged well. Of course, they got Zach Levine out of it. That's great. But I mean, 
could have probably got a lot more. I'm just not super encouraged by it. I don't think it's strong enough. And then the other thing is, you know, will the co- is the coaching ever going to be enough to make that strong enough? But I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is when they start proving. It's very encouraging to me that they are looking to trade Kevin Love. All right, so we'll keep monitoring that in Cleveland. Uh, other news from around the league. We had a matchup of could be a potential finals matchup. We had the Clips and the Bucks. It went really well for one team. That was the Bucks, and not very well for the other team. That was the Clippers. The Bucks won by 28 on Friday. It was their 14th straight win. It's the longest streak since 1973. Uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy, start with you. How encouraged are you by the Bucks right now? How much should we be taking away from one win over a potential finals opponent in early December? I think incredibly encouraged because they had a really good showing from their bench too. Um, and you know, everything else is fantastic already. And, you know, it's against a team that's supposed to have a really good bench. So that was what I took away from it. Uh, Dan, on the other side with the clips, uh, Doc Rivers, not at all happy. He said it was Giannis's birthday and we searched all over the city to find a gift. Couldn't find one. So we gave him this one. Ugly night for Kawhi PG and Lou Williams. Doc called the offense fool's gold. Uh, Previously last week on another episode of Heat Check, we talked about how uh, PG and Kawhi said it was going to take time for them to mesh. Is that what we saw here? How how worried are you about the Clippers offense? I wouldn't say I'm too worried about it. I mean, they're still, uh, you know, they've won 10 of their last 12. They still only had uh, Kawhi and Paul George on the floor for a little over 200 minutes together and they're killing when they have those guys on the floor. So I think it's like you shouldn't get too uh, out of sorts about losing to a Bucks team that has been stomping people. Um, and the other thing I mean, on the defensive end, like the guys who guarded Giannis most in this game were Mo Harkless and Patrick Patterson, according to NBA.com's matchup stuff. Like if this game mattered in June, you'd be seeing a very different guy with some braids guard uh, Giannis for more of the game. So I think there's a little bit less to be concerned about here, but uh, it may be a good reminder. Like there's some stuff to be, to be tightened up as the Clippers kind of continue to build forward. Haley, you're, you're our uh, heat check resident odds maker. Uh, Is this, a finals matchup? Is this the one? Are you still betting on these two to face each other when everything comes together? In I mean, June? the Lakers have also had this fantastic start, this historic start. Mm-hmm. So I'm going either way with those. But yeah, I could definitely see this. So you're saying one LA team versus the Bucks right yes. now? Haley's just looking not to travel right. for the finals. She wants to stay home. <laughs> I like that about her. Uh, it makes sense. I, although you really should know your audience. Uh, you're eliminating a team from Philadelphia, which brings us to our next topic. Ben Simmons, Sixers beat the Raptors, uh, which makes them, I think, the uh, transitive champions in the NBA, transitive property champions in the NBA. Uh, but more interesting here for our purposes, Ben Simmons in, in a game over the Cavs and a blowout game over the Cavs hit a corner three on a catch and shoot in rhythm, looked surprisingly smooth. He didn't hesitate afterwards. Brett Brown said, this is what I want. And you can pass it along to his agent, his family and his friends. I want a three point shot, a game minimum, the pull up twos. I'm fine with whatever is open, but I'm interested in the three point shot. Yo, this was very interesting for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is that Brett Brown is signaling that maybe uh, Ben Simmons has some people in his ear telling him not to shoot the three. What did you make of this, Dan? Uh, I thought it was maybe the most notable thing was because Brown also said like the number he's really focused on is eight free throw attempts a game for Ben Simmons too. the next game against the Raptors, zero three-point attempts, zero free throw attempts. <laughs> ben Simmons is not going to do what sort of what you know what everybody else might want him to do at a given point. He's going to do what he thinks makes the most sense for him. And it's also notable that in that win over the Raptors, he was awesome. 16, 11, and nine plus six in 40 minutes of play. Like he's a helpful player, even if he doesn't do that. So if there's a pushback from, from Brett Brown, Simmons is going to pull back with equal or, or even greater force. 
Haley, after uh, he hit that three-pointer, the Sixers account tweeted out this big to-do about it. <laughs> and uh, our other favorite Dan at Heat Check, Dan Pfeiffer, immediately replied, obviously a big Sixers fan, immediately replied that maybe this team uh, and the Sixers Twitter account should treat Ben Simmons like a normal player rather than making it a big to-do every time he hits a three ball. Where are you on um, the fanfare and all of us focusing so much on Ben Simmons anytime he even takes a Look, three? Look, man, you have to get retweets. Okay, you have to build cloud. <laughs> if you put a video of Ben Simmons making a fucking three-pointer, you are going to get a bunch of retweets. So I'm with it. I'm sorry. Yeah, my counterpoint was I think that they should put him in the three-point contest. <laughs> Imagine how much fun that would be. Just throw him out there and see what happens. Uh, some quick injuries here. We mentioned the uh, Portland Trailblazers off the top of the show. Rodney Hood went down with a torn left Achilles versus the Lakers. He was having a pretty good season. Uh, by his standards, a pretty good season for them. And they also needed him. He was eating up a, a ton of minutes. The hits keep coming for the Blazers. They're still without Nurkic. They're still without Zach Collins. Uh, quickly for the two of you, you know, we mentioned maybe they go out and make a play for love, but this is a just an absolute killer for a team that has been decimated by injuries. Yeah, I think that it, it certainly doesn't help things because if you were looking to use Kent Bazemore as, as a, a trade piece, like you need bodies on the wing. You need more guys that can play minutes out there. And they're just, uh, they're, there are so few reliable options for them that it's, it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to sort of serve every need they've got. Um, this is why you need the best versions of Dame and CJ and you need whatever you can get out of Melo and the other bigs on the roster because it's pretty dicey when you get to the wing in the backcourt. I mean, this is the risk with Rodney Hood always, right? Inconsistency on the court, which you were saying he has had a good start to the season, but also with health issues. So I'm sorry, but you can't really count on him to be like the supplemental guy. Yeah. If you're relying on Rodney Hood, you're already in a pretty dangerous place. Indeed. Uh, that was headlines and NBA instant replay. Before we go to the main event, let's bring in one Paolo Ugetti. Boom shakalaka. He's heating up. He's on fire. All right. Joining us in the studio. Making his triumphant return to the Heat Check program. He's a staff writer. Palo Esco blog. Palo Ugetti. What's up, What's buddy? What's up? Yeah. Long You're time back. no talk. Yes, I'm back. This is wonderful. Uh, so we've got two of them in New York. You and I are here in LA. We brought you in because you wrote about the Knicks shortly before David Fisdale got fired. I wrote about the Knicks. We're going to do this. Let's, let's signal the main event. All right. So uh, on Friday... Mere hours, Paolo, uh, after you wrote your piece saying that nothing would change if they fired David Fisdale, they fired David they Fisdale. They did the thing. It was funny because I think everybody knew it was coming. And it's it's a weird, like, it must have been a weird, like, 12 hours of just, like, dead period of waiting until, okay, like, let's see who's actually happened. Because everybody had pointed to the Nuggets game as, like, wait till they get blown out, blown out that game, and then it will happen, which I guess happened. Nobody's more plugged into the Knicks. Your sources <laughs> sure, yeah, said the yep. little birds were <laughs> yep. in your ear, and you knew it was going to happen, and you wrote about it. Uh, he was 4-18 this season, Dan, 21-83 and in less than two seasons. He becomes the fifth head coach in the last nine to be fired by the Knicks midseason. He's replaced by Mike Miller as the interim head coach. Now, this was very interesting. So the game right after they installed Mike Miller as the head coach, uh, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, the president and the general manager, run out Mike Miller to talk to the media and do not address the media about the coaching change. 
Yeah, Gans, I, I don't know if you know this. The Knicks not super into talking to the press. Uh, not big fans of doing it. Um, the idea that Mike Miller, formerly of the Westchester Knicks G League team and assistant on this roster, then winds up having to be the spokesman for his predecessor's firing is really just like some chef's kiss Knicks shit. And uh, it's, it's hard to imagine a better sort of situation. Like, all right, come in for your first game and now explain why you're here. Uh, really just dynamite stuff. Haley, I don't, I don't understand this. Like, how is it possible that first that Steve Mills is still standing? that he's been there for like 20-something years or however how long he's been in various capacities for them, but that they fire the coach mid-season after having that weird impromptu press conference, what, like a month ago after they got blown out by the Cavs, right? And then they like volunteer to talk to the media, which as Dan noted is, is abnormal for them because they hate talking to the media. But then they do this massive thing and they say, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to run uh, Mike Miller out there. Look, his boss, Steve Mel's boss, has a lot of music adjacent things to concentrate on. So that's why I believe he's been in for so long and has been able to maintain all of this chaos. I, I mean, he must be telling him, obviously he's telling him, Paolo, what he wants to hear about how, oh, next year is going to be the year where we're going to get the attractive free agents. We're going to, you know, they struck out this time, but next year, next year will be the one where they go out and, and they court somebody bigger or afterwards when Giannis is available, they're going to go get Giannis. It, it's coming though. Well, it's kind of like how we talk about when a GM comes into a team to rebuild, they get a lot more leeway because there's a longer runway. There's You can kind of sell your owner on the future. I feel like the Knicks have been selling each other on like the future that has never come around. And now they're just kind of like, okay, I guess on to the next step. But at some point, right, you would think that something has to give. Now, so we said that not much is, you wrote about this, obviously, but we, we've all agreed, I think, that nothing much is going to change with this team uh, just by replacing the head coach. But how much do you like, because Dan, uh, Dan and I had talked about this previously. Last year, their big thing was judge us on their development, right? Like judge, judge us, judge the Knicks on the development of the young players. They obviously haven't done very well in that regard. So how much blame, though, for this disaster do you place on David Fisdale? He didn't have a good roster, but he also didn't do a great job with it. It's so hard to blame Fizzle in any capacity. He didn't he didn't do well in some like you would he, some rotations and some you know lineup choices were really weird. Like I think Frank Nilakina played like thirty seven minutes one game, six minutes the next, and in a blowout you don't play a guy like Alonzo Trier more than six minutes. Who you know whatever you may think of him, he's a young guy trying to develop. And if you actually are trying to put an emphasis on development, you would think you would play those young guys. You know, and the thing is, they do have some intriguing young guys. Mitchell Robinson, even Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett has looked pretty good. So that fact that they're not even fully committing to the development stage of this is worrisome. But also, I mean, you, we should talk about the roster construction here. I yeah. mean, for me, everything goes back to to Mills and Perry Haley. You have the sixth head coach that Mills has fired, hired and fired before you had Fizdale. You had Hornacek, Derek Fisher, interim coach Kurt Rambis, Mike Woodson, and Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni is uh, the only one of that group who's found another NBA head coaching gig. Um, when you look at this roster construction over the offseason where they struck out against with KD and Kyrie Irving, and they go and just throw a bunch of money at like every power forward who's available. Um, like how much could Fisdale or any coach reasonably do with this bunch? Development takes time. I mean, think about the actual definition of the word. It takes time. You have to give Fisdale more time. This is not going to happen in two seasons. Plus, the Knicks are not win now. And they're acting like with all these firings and hirings that they're win now. You're not. If you can't get those big free agents, you're not. I'm sorry. It's going to take a lot of well, time. Well, not only are they acting, I feel like, win now in some capacity, but also just 
they're right. They're still acting as if they're the Knicks of like how most people kind of would think of them as like the premier franchise or one of the big markets. Like they're still acting like they have that kind of reputation about them when we all sort of realize that they're probably one of the like bleakest teams right now. This is what KD even said after he signed with the Nets where he did an interview and he said, the cool thing right now is not the Knicks, which has been true for so long that I don't even remember when it wasn't true. Like the Knicks say exactly what, what Paolo said. They, they think that they're this premier flagship franchise because they're the Knicks and they play in MSG and they're in New York, except for aside from just the city and, and the venue, like why in hell's name would you want to go play for James Dolan when they look like this? Which brings me to my next point here, uh, Dan, and I hate to indict Dan's beloved New York Knicks, longtime uh, New York Knicks fan, Dan Devine. Uh, but Dan, <laughs> Who's going to want this job long term? I, I want to run through some possible replacements who have been mentioned here. Mark Jackson, not surprising. He's thirsty as hell, wants a job. He probably would take it. Patrick Ewing was mentioned. Meta World Peace threw his name out and said he tweeted <laughs> that he wants to bring the street mentality back to the garden. Um, there was a report that Becky Hammond might be interested, but that she would want a long-term contract of at least four years. Um, Becky, let me say, don't do it. If you're going to get a gig, please don't take that one. <laughs> Dan, are any of those candidates good and could any of them turn it around? And why in hell's name would they want this job? Yeah, I, I think that I, I have no idea how, what kind of head coach most, uh, you know, Becky Hammond would be, what kind of head coach Meta World Peace would be. Um, you know, my understanding is that Patrick Ewing's got his hands full with Georgetown right now. Like the, the, you don't know what it looks like until the person's in the seat in the job. But you know, there's there. I don't think there's any reason to believe that this is going to change unless everybody is on the same page with whatever the plan would be. And then the the plan is a plan that makes sense. Paolo had pointed to the the sort of the turnover and the idea that like you went from development to win now and seemingly nobody knew what happened or why this seems to happen like every 18 months to two years, no matter who's in charge. We're going with one kind of plan. Oh, no, scrap it. We're throwing everything out and we're going with something new. And that I think you have to trace back to ownership. You have to trace back to, to a decision making process that, that is not stable and is not long range. And the, I mean, the, the bummer is the reason if you're like, wh why should you believe it's going to be better? There's no reason to. There's no reason for James Dolan to change this because he's not ashamed enough to change anything. And he makes money hand over fist, whether they suck or not. So I, I, I you know, you, 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 I'm sure you do hate to see me having yeah. to talk to you about this. <laughs> but the reality is there. I don't think there is a reason for hope I, I there. I like some of the young players. I have no reason to believe they're going to develop. I like some of the, the pieces that they could add. I like the financial flexibility they have, the future draft picks. I have no reason to believe that they're going to be used well. So until I see it, I have no reason to believe. And it's just a really bleak and sort of dark morning. It's really rainy and shitty here in New York. And I think that's sort of a general. Well, let me help sense. you out here because I think that there could be hope. There could be a silver lining. It's a long shot though. And I want to run this past Haley. Uh, Dickie V of all people came up with this idea. And I got to say, Dickie yes. V might be onto <laughs> something. Rick Patino's in Greece. He's, he's coaching Panathinaikos. They could get Rick Pitino back, Haley O'Shaughnessy. What do you think? You know, I've muted Dickie V from all of mm -hmm. my life. When he announces a game, I mute it. When he's on Twitter, <laughs> I mute it. If it was ever in person, I'd put headphones on. We all know he's got a vendetta I, against Louisville. So I'm sorry. I have literally no opinion on that. Also, Rick, get out of this ball. Like, you please. don't want Rick to come back? <laughs> this would be amazing. I'm I'm all I am all here for. I would not want Rick to come back unless he could succeed. So not the Knicks then. 
Yeah. So now nah. <laughs> uh, about this, so uh, Paolo, so you mentioned like how the Knicks think of themselves as this marquee franchise and, and they're always going to get the next guy. They're always going to get the next coach to that end. There have been reports that they are going hard after one Musai Ujiri. This comes from uh, uh, a number of different reporters, including SNY's Ian Begley, who tweeted at the people of influence at Madison Square Garden have been, as one source said, obsessed with Musai Ujiri as the next uh, struggle. As you'd expect, Steve Mills and Scott Perry are feeling pressure following firing Fizdale. Um, do you buy that the Knicks have a shot at Masai Ujiri? And what, why would Masai Ujiri leave an otherwise stable organization where he just won, a franch- uh, just won a championship to go to a franchise like the Knicks? I believe the rest of that quote wasn't just they're obsessed with, they're also enamored by. Just to, oh, sure. I just want to make sure, sure, sure that we get the full <laughs> quote there. Um, no, why would he do that? Why would he leave? Unless he's got like some sort of... I don't know, motivation to be the guy who, you know, like, for example, like with the Red Sox, like how Theo Epstein was sort of the guy that, you know, got them from their curse to to winning the title. Like if he's obsessed with being the guy to taking that kind of franchise and getting to a title, but I don't see why, like he's, the Raptors are good even without Kawhi now. He's building something there. The Knicks would be a mess that might stain his reputation, which is pretty perfect right now. I understand why the Knicks are like, they're kind of like scrambling, okay, like who's like the big name right now? And obviously he's like number one. So I could, I get why they're doing that, but it just feels like such a desperation move that they think they can solve that with just a large amount of money and not like actually getting somebody to come in who's going to be invested. So, but let me play devil's advocate here, Haley and Dan. What if, I mean, if you're Masai Ujiri and you did just win a championship, right? What if you got some sort of sweetheart Phil Jackson-esque deal? Now, don't let's not forget, Phil fucked it up, right? Like he he wanted to install a system that's antiquated, and he didn't know he wanted to commute, and he wasn't putting in any hours. But like, what if they gave him that Masai Ujiri that kind of deal and that kind of autonomy, and they said? James Dolan is going to, as Haley mentioned, just go off and play his kazoo or whatever the hell he does. Uh, and they say, here's a bunch of money and you could try to revamp one of the flagship franchises in the NBA that's been in disrepair. Like if you're Masai Ujiri, do you at least think about it? Maybe. God, that just echoes Mello so much when he took the money. Uh, no, absolutely not. Are you not in this to win and have a good name for yourself when you're ultimately out of it? This is like such a bad situation to be in as long as the owner But we're is talking about somebody in Masai Ujiri who does have clout, right? So like when KD says the Knicks aren't the cool thing right now, Dan, wouldn't Masai Ujiri maybe kind of change that perception? He could. I mean, there, there was not, it was not very long ago that the Raptors weren't a cool or interesting thing. And then Masai comes in with fuck Brooklyn and we're figuring right. this out. And then eventually it happens. Um, you know, you, you swing the deal to get the superstar and you win a championship. You, it changes over time. The, the issue is you'd need, he would need everything. You would need the Phil Jackson, whatever it is. So what it was, five, I think 60 million for five years for Phil, you know, let's, let's ramp that up. Let's get it up in the 70, 80 range. Um, you'd need full autonomy on every hire. So Steve Mills does not get to stick around through another regime. The, if he wants to completely overhaul medical and scouting and everything else, go for it. Hi, carte blanche to hire who you want. James Dolan, I don't think, is going to be particularly interested in that. He likes to have his people around, too. You need to, to give him absolutely everything. And then also, like, if you can do some off-the-books type shit, like, <laughs> we're going to give you a blank check for all of your philanthropic efforts, like Giants of Africa. Name your, what, what do you want us to donate? Well, you know, we'll put a wing on every uh, anything you want us to put it on. It'll be in your name forever and ever. Amen. That's the way it would have to be. It would have to be like the godfather offer of all godfather offers. And even then... 
Masai Ujiri would have to be like extremely, it would have to be a competitive thing where you're like, I think I can be the dude. And the Knicks have been trying to figure that out for years. Players, executives, coaches play to their egos and they just keep losing. So it's not like they have to make it good before you can get good people. And they haven't been able to do that. I love that where you went with off the books was to charity. <laughs> you were just the most pure person I've ever met. Well, okay. So yeah, I'm sure there maybe that maybe there are some other, uh, you know, you know, you know, muddier sort of situations there. But I mean, that seems to be the thing that Masai Ujiri cares most about outside of competitive and uh, competitive shit. He wants to be continuing to grow the game in Africa, continuing to build his philanthropic efforts there. So if that's it, then sure. Okay. We're going to like quadruple whatever the operating budget for your, for your, for your charity is. We're going to do that. Like you have to come up with something that's going to make someone who is smart and reasonable go against their best interests. Taking on the Knicks would definitely I can be hear how I can hear how giddy <laughs> Dan is trying to talk to himself and the possibility that this could be real. So I really appreciate it. Oh, no, no. Paolo, Paolo, I have no hope in my soul. There is no spark in my heart. There is no you, smile you in, my, in my life. You thinking about those philanthropic efforts though. I, Ima- imagine, well, I like the idea that the Knicks could do something right. positive, uh, like across, uh, across the board, like something that would actually help people and be nice would be a wonderful thing. I don't think there's any fucking <laughs> chance it happens, but it would be a cool way for it to uh, work out. I, yeah. I want to be clear that I was playing devil's advocate there and, and also do not believe that this would happen, but I do like how we sort of uh, have begun to talk Dan into maybe kind of thinking about it, at least entertaining the prospect. Dan all of a sudden is going to be championing the uh, Maasai to New York uh, bandwagon. He's on board. Dan, you're on board now. You sons of bitches. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's it totally, it's coming. He's very excited. Uh, the Knicks are still a disaster for right now. That was the main event. Pello, do you want to hang out and do a little uh, good call, bad call with us? Sure thing. Why not? That was, uh, that'll be fun. All right, let's go to everybody's favorite segment, good call, bad call. What a bold call here. All right, so uh, this is where we decide what's a good call and what's a bad call. It's a very complicated segment. You should know, however, because we've run afoul of this (laughs) previously, that Haley starts. Uh, Nobody else starts. (laughs) Otherwise, I get yelled at. I'm very well acquainted with Haley going first. I I accidentally went to Isaac first one time, and man, that did not go over well. Haley, Haley, Terry Stotts, Portland Trailblazers head coach, uh, was ejected for the first time in his career in a loss to Lakers. I didn't know this. It was a hold me back situation. It was kind of funny uh, where like CJ McCollum was kind of doing the hold me back thing. The last time he was ejected, he was asked about this. He said he couldn't remember, but he thought it was early in his career in something called the Summer Pro League in Long Beach. It's the first time in 880 games that he had been ejected. Brett Brown is now the leader at 515 games without being ejected. Uh, should Terry Stotts start getting run more, Haley? Saucy Stotts forever. Yeah, good call. <laughs> I Devine. love it. Uh, good call because you got to be able to let your emotions out, man. You can't just be all buttoned up all the time. Uh, Steve. Uh, all good for therapeutic uh, yelling. Yes. Yeah. He, good call. All right. With three so far, Hello. 100% good call. Run. Yeah. yeah if, especially if you hadn't hadn't gotten run out since this league in summer in Long Beach. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, man, take a little time off. Like, it's a long season, as we've mentioned on this before. Uh, I say good call. Like, don't don't work too hard all the time, Dan Devine. Player coach Mello? Oh, yes. (laughs) Mm. I love this idea. That would be excellent. Uh, To another one here, Chris Paul. Uh, This is an all-time Chris Paul moment in OKC versus the Wolves game. It was a close game. Late in the game, Jordan Bell went to check in, and as Bell walked into the game, his jersey was untucked, and Chris Paul loudly alerted referee Scott Foster. Of course, it was Scott Foster. Screaming, his jersey's out, his jersey's out. That's a delay of game. Foster noticed uh, and ended up 
calling the delay of game because it was the second delay of game. It was an automatic technical. Gallo hit the free throw. They went to overtime and the Thunder won. Haley O'Shaughnessy, what do you think about Chris Paul snitching and then Scott Foster rewarding snitching? There are three things that you learn early on in life. One, the alphabet. Two, how to count. Three, never snitch. Bad call. Dan Devine. <laughs> uh, I agree. Bad call. Uh, I mean, as a dad, I untuck my shirt all the time. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm mostly untucked. And I feel mm -hmm. like if Chris Paul went after me like that, I would feel really hurt. And I think it would be un uncool. So bad call, Chris Paul. You are currently untucked in a shirt that both of us own. We have, a same, we have a hat that we both have. We have a shirt that we both have. He looks very handsome. Uh, Steve, <laughs> what say you to uh, snitching? Bad call. I'm always untucked. Nobody likes a snitch. Untucked. No <laughs> snitching. Palo? I'm going to say good call. Yeah, oh, I like um, it. Very contrarian. Because isn't that the rule? Like, what are we doing? Oh, you're going to call. No, no, no hold rule? on. You're a no, rule no. stickler. All right, here's what I'll say. I I appreciate the how Chris Paul does things sometimes, even though they're annoying as hell. Like, I appreciate that he's looking for every little edge. That's it. That's all. That's all. That you're you're so close to sniffing around the correct take here. I'm going good call on Chris Paul being a nudge and like he can't help himself but be Chris Paul and this is such a Chris Paul moment like of course under normal circumstances rock the untucked don't snitch but for Chris Paul purposes being a dick is his brand Hall I'm on board with it good call hall monitor shit out in LA Haley and I here in New York we represent the real <laughs> I just like Chris Paul to be Chris Paul. Uh, Kyle Lowry, this is, we talk about Chris Paul having a Chris Paul moment. This is a very Philly moment. Kyle Lowry walking off the court after the loss to the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly. Kyle Lowry from North Philly went to Villanova, which is not in Philly, but still, he's very Philadelphian. Mm -hmm. And he got into it with a fan in Philly and he was screaming at the guy, come see me. And he was asked after the game, Haley, were you surprised that somebody from your, like you're in your hometown, would you, are you surprised that somebody from your own town would treat you that way? And he said, nah, it's Philly. I respect it. Uh, good call, bad call with Philadelphians greeting fellow Philadelphians with invitations to rumble. Isn't fighting a love language in Philly? We established <laughs> the love choke last week. I guess a good call. I don't, you know, I can't speak for them. Dan Devine. Uh, I'm going to go with bad call. Peace. Stop. Fucking with players, stop reaching out to put your hands on Kyle Lowry. We need more to be a separation from that. Kyle Lowry should get to do whatever he wants to do. If you want to yell at people, that's fine. Let's keep the love choking to a minimum and only on same sides. Uh, Steve, you, you were not on board with love choking last week. <laughs> I know, but it's only in the in the terms of reconciliation. So I'd say good call if he thinks it's all good. I agree with Dan. Bad call in terms of just a fan player interaction. Like People need to chill. I, I do like the yelling in, in some cases because it gives us like viral moments in some cases, but that's it. Yeah, I don't want to be too earnest about this here. I, I think we've established previously that we don't want fans to, uh, you know, get into it, actually get into it with players. However, there's a Philadelphia caveat to this. Uh, <laughs> this is how we interact. We just yell at each other and it's usually fine. I say good call. Uh, that was good call, bad call. We love to have Palo here. Dan and Haley, we thank you. Steve, as always, we thank you. And we thank everybody for listening. Please rate and review us if you wouldn't mind. Read all of our content on TheRinger.com. Listen to The Ringer and NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Paolo, you've got a column up right now with... Do. Yeah, it's your Monday morning column. Tell everybody, More tell Nick the people. More Nick stuff. 
Tell the people about your five big questions. Well, it's not always five. Today it was four. So Today it was four. Don't, don't hold me to five. <laughs> All right. Don't always hold me to Could five. Could be two or three. Yeah, There's exactly. some number of questions, but uh, Paolo's going to answer them for you every Monday. So be yeah. sure to read that. And Heat Check will be back next week on Monday with Dan and Haley. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.